Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. And welcome especially to our patrons joining us here for this week four Q&A and mailbag session. Appreciate everyone for sending in your questions. And again, just want to shout out everyone for your support. Uh, the the patron leagues are are very spicy right off the bat, I believe. Uh, Adnan, is it you who just crushed me this week or is that Adnan? Oh, I, ju- I just dropped like 250. It was 220. Week. It was like at least 220. Like, I was like, oh my God. Like. <laughs> What is happening? Oh my so, god! Yeah, thank my you team, for that. my team is a fucking juggernaut. In the, it's in disgusting. That, that Absolutely disgusting stuff by Adnan there. But I'm, I am like undefeated in every other patron league, so I, I just might have to take an L on that one. But, um, you know, it comes for all of us. It comes for all of us. But of course, welcome in to Adnan. You guys have already seen he's at Say Which Way on the Twitters. We mm-hmm. also have with us the man himself, Dave Choate, at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, welcome. How are you doing in the Falcoholic Fantasy League? Okay. I might win this week. So there you go. I, I was going to, and I thought I was going to lose as of like four yesterday. So my fortunes have taken a turn. I am very sorry yes. for Demo 3. Um, <laughs> Daryl Moore. Being... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, hey, it ha- sometimes we start slow and uh, sometimes we start fast. Last year was my worst year yet of fantasy, and I think I've... Lost a total of uh, one game so far. I'm definitely going to lose a few. I, and I'm playing in, you know, six leagues this year, mostly. Most of the are patron leagues. But, you know, I believe I've only lost once so far this year. So, it'll probably lose okay. two more this week. But, you know. Three we, on, we are rolling this year. We are rolling yeah. so far. Yeah, yeah. I I'm lost my three sure. starting receivers for a couple of weeks at least. So, I'm probably yeah. Yeah, my dynasty league is down Eckler and Aaron Jones uh, and Kelsey yeah. week one. That was the week I lost. I actually won last week without either of my running backs. So, yeah, hey, he's back and, and he's with Taylor Swift now. So I know. Things are good. I mean, I think Kelsey is going to be a league winner uh, now that he's with Taylor Swift. I mean, that there's just so much energy. Like in that colliding. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's just too much going on there. But um, yes, Daniel first mentions, did you see your cameo in the Falcons versus Lions hype video? Yes, I did. It was pointed out by about thir- by about 20 people, which tells me that you guys are excited for me and also that a lot of people watch those videos. So it was really a double win for me in that regard. But yes, I did see it. I appreciate you guys for letting me know. Uh, it was cool. It was cool. Um, so I wish that I had been, you know, right uh, and like they had won. That would have been a little bit more fun. But, you know, hey, at least I get the publicity either way. So it, it, it all works out. But it does. It, it also tells you that clearly someone in the building is listening to the pod. So uh, we already knew that, but it's nice to see it confirmed because you know, they had to pull that audio from somewhere. So, um, hey, folks, just wanted to bring you a real quick word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Folks, football is back, and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. 
So no matter what you want to bet on, whether that's the Falcons rebounding next week against the Jaguars, where I believe they're slight underdogs or any anything else in the NFL, if you want to bet on some other crazy stuff, BetOnline is the best place to do that. So make sure to head to their website today, BetOnline.ag, or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Just remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B. L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. But uh, yeah, we got some questions. Uh, for those of you in the chat, feel free to drop in any of your questions or comments. We'll get to those. Uh, and, you know, I'd hoped we'd be doing this after a win this week. But, you know, sometimes the football gods are are not just. Uh, you know, sometimes things don't go your way. And, and that's what happened on Sunday. Um, before we dive into that, I do want to get, we we haven't heard from Dave or, or Adnan yet about that game. And I know people are asking about our thoughts on the game. Um, I've talked about it at length. I've just recorded, I actually recorded two pods with Jordan, uh, Jordan, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with Jordan about uh, that game because I screwed up the first recording and we had to record it again after about 30 minutes. Uh so that, you know, big, big fan of, uh, of Jordan Wat- Watkins for, uh, helping, helping out with that. But, uh, Dave, I'll go to you first. You know, just a lot of people are hitting the panic button. I'm, I'm really glad this wasn't week one that they, that this happened, uh, cause this would have been much darker, but how, where, are, where is your level of panic? How are you feeling now that we have lost our first game? Uh, you know, no panic. Obviously it's three games in they're they're two and one. So there's some built in buffer toward panic. Um, you know, even if things go poorly this week, you're still a 500 ball club in a division that clearly has problems. Um, you know, Baker Mayfield lost pending as we were talking about before the show, but um, I think I'm not panicking about the offense, but I am very worried about the offense. I remember reading, reading comments on a, a video I did with Aaron Freeman last week where people were like, you're being way too critical. <laughs> you know, Desmond Ritter's fine. This passing game is going to figure it out. And now this week they're like, string him up, kill him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a bit of a different mood here. But um, I do think that, you know, those woes, these issues with the offense were here for the first two weeks. Um, they just got papered over because the Falcons got going late. And this time they didn't. Um, So I think that should prompt hopefully some reflection. from. They know what they need to do. It's just a question of when they can do it. I believe I've said many times Ritter has the talent to play much better than this. You see flashes of it. I think that the offensive line was good enough last year to think that they won't be this terrible all year long. And we certainly know that Drake London, Kyle Pitts, um, you know, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier are, great players and they will get going. So it's just a question of getting more than one of those things going in a given week and not throwing the game away. But like, you know, Ritter's not getting benched. We know that, you know, um, there's no changes to this offensive line coming because who are you going to switch to? (laughs) And, you know, there's nobody you're going to bench from, you know, the skill position. So this is going to have to be just coaching and player improvement. Um, and so I am worried about how quickly that's going to come together. And that's my big takeaway from this loss because the defense still looks good. And I'm really excited about them. Um, but yeah, offensively, they got to get this thing going or we're going to, you know, it's not going to be six points again, I don't think, hopefully. But it's it's going to be another loss against Jacksonville if they can't figure something yeah. out. Yeah, it's really the most alarming thing is the offensive line. And I, I think that was what we were all feeling the most confident in going into this year. Um that the offensive line was going to be good. So we would be able to get a really great look at Desmond Ritter and figure out once and for all, if he was the guy. And so far, like 
it's not like Desmond Ritter has really done anything to impress. I mean, I think he deserves credit, obviously, for the Green Bay game, winning that, you know, very sharp fourth quarter. But, like, it's been pretty iffy otherwise, you know, leads the league in turnover-worthy plays and turnover-worthy play percentage. The, the turnover luck has cons- been good, you know, and, and maybe there, there's something to that, that, like, the way he throws where he, he does get a lot of velocity, especially on the short stuff, might, makes those you know hard to catch for defenders who are, you know, probably not known for their ability to catch. So maybe there is something to that, like a weird, you know, bonus to his throwing style. But it, it's been hard to even evaluate because of how bad the offensive line has been. Um, but I know, you know, we've got our dedicated Desmond Ritter hater here and Adnan Ikic. So I definitely wanted to, to get your opinion uh, Adnan, on, thing, on this whole situation. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. If I can throw it out before Adnan. Yes, before we get to the hate. Better. Yes, yeah. I don't want to interrupt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I did uh, see earlier on Twitter today that the real Patman um, had posted that you know, kind of a, a split between like Desmond Ritter with a clean pocket versus under pressure. I don't know if you guys saw this, but like it is striking. Like you figure that it's going to be this way for most quarterbacks, but he is terrible under pressure and actually pretty good when he's not pressured. So that that does point to too, like for the Falcons to get a real look at what he can be, they have to figure out how to, you know, keep him clean. So yeah, want to throw that out. Oh, okay. no, that's no, absolutely get, get true. Hayden. Go ahead. Yes, yes. No, it, it's, and that's the thing too. Uh, and we'll cover it more, I'm sure, with more questions. But it's just pressure is tough for any quarterback to handle. It's especially hard for young quarterbacks to handle because they're already behind the eight ball in terms of their adjustment to NFL game speed and processing and all those things. And it's you can tell it's it's getting to Ritter for sure. But uh, please, you know, Adnan, give us you know we we you were a rant was requested. So if you do have a rant. You can do that, or you can you can just you know deliver a few takes, or we can save the rant for Wednesday, whatever you want. But um, I'll deliver a few takes. I I think the I think the season's over personally. Uh, <laughs> not, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so when it comes to panic, I think it all depends on what your expectation level was coming into this season, because you know if your expectation level is you know we're going to win the Super Bowl, you should have started panicking before the season started because this team isn't winning a Super Bowl this year. Um, I personally think that they're still on track for what I expected before the season, which was 10 wins. Back in our July show, when we went game by game, we, you know, so far we're three for three in, yeah. in, in yeah. our game by game predictions. What we we expected this team to be two and one. We expected this team to be two and two. So, I mean, uh, I'm just going to sit here and say, we're not panicking now. We're not, I'm not going to be panicking even if this team loses on Sunday, because two and two was the goal coming coming into this, you know, first quarter of the season. You know, we said if we can get out of this at two and two, then, you know, we're we're gonna be on track for, you know, for winning this division. And it helps that the Saints lost in very, very funny fashion. Yes. You know, a, a great comeback by by the Packers, you know, shout out to Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. And uh, and those guys up in Green Bay, you know, big Packers fans this this past Sunday. And shout out to their kicker for missing a field goal, which, you know, is doubly funny because, you know, Will Lutz would never miss a field goal like that. Shout out to the Georgia State legend, you know, even though he wasn't really kicking much as as the Broncos were getting their asses kicked against. <laughs> That's Dolphins. not his fault. It's not his fault. Yeah, yeah. Not not his fault. Go go Panthers. You know, shout out to the 4-0 Georgia State <laughs> Panthers, by the way. Go. I mean, yeah. Got to get that one in there. Yeah, um, yeah. However, um, the offense... 
is an issue. Like the offense is, is a big problem right now and moving forward. Like sure, losing to there's no shame in losing to the Lions. That's that's a very good football team. I do personally think, and I made the take on the show last week, this was a missed opportunity. The Lions came into this game so banged up, and you really couldn't take advantage of any of it. Like they can't, they just had their way, like with the Falcons. The defense kind of, you know, the defense had their had their moments of frustration, particularly when Jared Goff was just picking them apart. I think he had like eleven straight completions at one point, like all over the middle, and he was just yeah. like, you know, he was just taking it downfield. But the defense locked in because yeah. the play, like you had Caden Ellis, you had Grady Jarrett, you had Jesse Bates, all individually step up on the defensive end and sort of just almost single-handedly end a few drives for the Lions, really giving the offense a chance. The issue is on offense, nobody can step up. Like, right now I feel like it's so easy to defend this Falcons team for opposing defensive coordinators because the game plan is just so simple of, all right, we're going to shut down the run. We're going to make sure Bijan Robinson can't beat us, which gr- credit to Detroit, they did so. The running backs did really had no room to run. The The lines just stacked that box. Oh, yeah. They and, had nine players most downs in the box. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's our, we're going to make the quarterback beat us. And Desmond Ritter is not really doing that. Uh, he hasn't really proven that he can do that, even with the stacked box. And he's not getting any help from his offensive line, which looks terrible in pass protection right now. I was going through some of the PFF marks. Drew Dahlman, Chris Lindstrom, and Caleb McGarry all have low 50s grades yeah. when it comes to pass blocking. Like this this offensive line is just a bunch of run blocking merchants right now. And and Jake Matthews, who has been very good and very consistent, as Jake Matthews always is. But I mean, I'm I'm so disappointed as like in McGarry, like he got the new contract, but especially in Lindstrom three games in. Yeah. Like he, this is a guy that got a hundred million dollar contract. He is paid the premium for his position he broke the record for his position and three games in he looks he does not look good like he looks like a below average starter in the nfl right now now in fairness it it is a small sample size he he does deserve the benefit of the doubt for what we've seen the last couple years and i do think he's going to turn it around but the o-line is just the o-line's a big problem right now it's a massive problem but even when it it feels like ritter even when he is getting a cleaner pocket, even when he's not like under duress right away, it feels like he's just his pocket presence and his pocket awareness really isn't there. He took seven sacks this last game. Most of them were on the offensive line. A few of those were on him as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he, here's a, here's a novel idea as well. Like a quarterback can be at fault for some yes. of the sacks that he takes. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his passes were, you know, under in a clean pocket were not the mm-hmm. best. You know, he set his receivers up over the middle to take some really nasty hits in that fourth quarter. There was another dropped interception, two dropped interceptions, I think, in this game, actually. Uh, one of them, I think they called a pick, but they like called it back on the field, which it was a good effort played by the Lions player. But overall, Arthur Smith is also not calling a great game. There was a lot of talk on Twitter, a lot of two wide receiver, like uh, <laughs> a, a, a lot of, you know, two, uh, two wide receiver formations where you only had a couple of route concepts going. Um, it's just, it, it, it's just a big, all of the above problem on offense. Yeah. And it's something that really 
has to get figured out sooner rather than later because, you know, we talked about it after the first couple games. You can beat some bad teams with the strategy of, all right, defense, uh, we're going we're gonna to roll with the defense, we're going to beat you with the run game. When you play some of these better teams, that's not going to work. Like, they are going to they are going to force you to beat them through the air. And one of the worst things you can be in, in today's NFL is a one-dimensional football team. And the worst part is the, the other dimension that you're lacking is, is what's necessary to win. It, it's that passing dimension. Right now, the Falcons don't have that. Um, and, I mean, they, they genuinely have to figure it out. But I still think this team, like, is going – despite all the – despite all of that, despite the fact that, you know, they have these limitations, I still think they're going to win 10 games for no other reason than the schedule is so bad. B. John Robinson is so good. And this defense in general is so good that they're they are going to will will this team to nine to ten wins. I think that'll be enough to win the NFC South, and I think we will see this team in the playoffs. However, the issue will become if if that sort of blinds the coaching staff into thinking that all right, we won ten games, we don't really have to make any changes going into next season. That that's where you, you know that's where it can be a, a curse in. in disguised as a blessing so to speak yeah. and we saw no, it last yeah, year exactly. well, yeah, we, yeah. We, saw, we see that this coaching staff will do that we saw it last year they refused mm-hmm. to pull Mariota until this team was nearly mathematically eliminated from playoff contention like yeah. it, it, it's something that through something that has you have no effect over and you're just letting that stuff sort of dictate your decision making and you know they that really cannot happen or you know this team will have a very this team this team's long-term outlook won't be that bright yeah they have to make the necessary changes depending on what we see this year and one of the biggest questions of course is can Desmond Ritter do it or not and like obviously we're not really close to figuring that out yet um I know everyone wants to have a decision made on a quarterback after like a couple of games uh, but that's just not how this works like we're gonna we're gonna have to wait it out and see but I do think the nice thing about Ritter versus Mariota is that Ritter has the potential and the expectation that he should get better as the season goes on. Whereas Mariota being like a five, six, seven year veteran, you've kind of seen what he is. Like, you know what his ceiling is. You know that there's not really that much more room for growth at that point in his career. Ritter has played seven games. Mariota has played seven years, you know? So it's sort of like, uh, we could see, significant growth from Ritter this year we could see a little bit of growth maybe we don't see any growth but the the baseline expectation of Ritter will probably get better throughout the season is realistic the biggest question and the most important thing is like how much better is that is it good enough to be a playoff team is it good enough for him to be the long-term starter or is it just good enough for this team to be just very mediocre and you're really looking for more we don't know that yet we've got a long way to go um but certainly the expectation should be that the offensive line is playing better than this because it's like it, it just it stunts your ability to even evaluate things when when it's that big of a liability. Um, so hopefully we can get that fixed up. But um, all right, we do have some questions, uh, some more questions to get to in this one. We got Daniel first asking about Troy Anderson. Is he OK, Daniel? I don't think he's OK. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly what's going on. But there is fear that it's a season-ending injury for Troy Anderson. 
which would be very unfortunate. But um, as soon as we get any information, I will I will tweet it out immediately. We'll put it up on the site. Um, at this point, though, it, the prognosis is not looking good, according to what Arthur Smith said. So, obviously, big loss there. Um, so we'll hope for the best with Troy Anderson, Daniel. But at this point, doesn't look like uh, doesn't look good. Certainly, um, we got next Matt Tom- up. Oh yeah, yeah. Next, next man up, and, and next man up Nate Landman. And, and honestly, Nate Landman. Yeah, yeah. He's looked good the first, the first couple games, but you know we talked about it last week with the lines injuries. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you, no matter what the injury is. You just sort of have to, you know, trust your depth, trust, you know, trust the decision making. And I mean, it's it's an NFL season. Uh, nobody's going to be healthy throughout the entire year, so. You know, this is just sort of part of it. Yeah, it just is what it is. Um, Yeah, well, first question from Mad Tom K. What's up, Mad? He says, what's the one, what's one positive surprise for this team through three games, aside from just the defense in general, because that's, that one's too easy. Um, Yeah, I mean, Dave, I'll let you get the first crack at this. I have, I have a couple of ideas, so I can wait till the end. So Dave, what would be your positive surprise other than just the entire defense being better than expected? Well, since that is taken away from yeah. me, it's going <laughs> that's to be, the layup. Uh, that's the layup. Yep. yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring up something that we talked a little bit about before the show, which is uh, this team's free agent signings have all worked out so far, pretty much like um, John U. Smith looks, I know he's not a free agent, but they traded for him. He looks revitalized here. He looks like a good blocker, you know, good receiving option. He's got a rapport with Ritter really strong out of the gate. Um, you know, Bud Dupree just had a really nice game. Um, certainly my expectations for Bud Dupree were fairly low and he has exceeded them to this point. Jesse Bates has been phenomenal with a couple of, you know, a couple of maybe weak plays, but he's been excellent. He's been worth every penny and everything I've got in my couch cushions, um, maybe a couple couches worth of, of change. Actually, Caden Ellis is, is coming into his own. Um, and then Calais Campbell, obviously, and David Onyemata have been terrific onyamata in particular has been way way better yeah. than i expected yeah like um, best in the league yeah. yeah oh i mean phenomenal and and yeah. i remember talking to um, a saints fan on a podcast before the season began ralph Marlboro, over at um saints happy hour and and he was asking me you know what do you expect from onyamata and i said you know based on the last couple of years if he's just an average starter which i think is fine it'll be a, a great thing for the falcons given how much they've struggled so getting him to where he's like wrecking you know opposing game plans is just phenomenal so yeah you know maybe you can argue that trey flowers has not been you know a standout signing but he's been good (laughs) in run support and he's been forced into a larger role than he should be so really almost everything in free agency has worked out and we are not i should stress this used to that as falcons fans It, it hasn't been the case certainly under terry fontenot even if he's had some really great gems of signings over time and it certainly wasn't the case for Thomas Dimitrov. So to spend that much money, bring in all these guys and, and have these early returns be so positive, it has been surprising to me. And it's been a huge positive for this team. They needed it. Yeah. Free agents have been huge so far, for sure. And I, I think that's where Fontenot's actually been better. The drafting, I think, has been okay. I mean, it's been like average. They, they have, I mean, everybody. Like most teams miss on more than fifty percent of their draft picks. That that's just a thing that fans have to learn to live with. But and I think the Falcons are right about in that range. So I, I don't think he's performed particularly poorly or or well as a drafter. But I think in free agency we're starting to see like this is his strength. This was his background before he became a GM. 
He's he's starting to nail it now that he's got the the ammunition to actually go and do stuff. So I, I agree with you there, Dave. Uh, Adnan, what you got? What's what's your nice surprise so far? Um, well, considering the fact that Dave took literally every single free agent in his answer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> well, you can talk about I those think, guys. Dave yeah, was more no, general. I, yeah. I, I I do want to say like I, I do want to pinpoint one guy who's more. Um, who's more under the radar right now, given the fact that he's not a big time, like, uh, you know, a big time star player. I, I want to, I want to highlight Matt Collins for a second. Uh, mm-hmm. sure. He didn't have a, you know, he only had one catch, uh, against the lines, but you know, nobody really in the receiving core did anything or the entire offense, but this is a guy who I think genuinely like helped you win the, or one of was one of the biggest reasons why you won that Packers game. he, uh, he had a great game uh, in week one against the Carolina Panthers. I think we talked about, you know, that B. John Robinson fourth down run against the Packers. He's the one that's, that sprung the key block on that play, uh, in addition to catching that flea flicker at the start of the fourth quarter to set that tone. Yeah, yeah. But it was, he's one of those guys where, you know, it's just, we talked a little bit about the wide receiver two uh, role in Atlanta throughout the off season about how, you know, we were waiting for Corey Davis. We were uh, talking about options for the second wide receiver. Like, you know, do we have the depth? Do we have enough wide receivers? Do we have enough guys behind Drake London? And I feel like Matt Collins has come in and three weeks in, he has, you know, he has filled in that role admirably. Sure. It's the Falcons wide receiver two role is one of the, you know, more sparsely used wide receiver two roles in the NFL. I mean, shit, the Falcons tight end and wide receiver one roles are pretty sparsely used in comparison to other teams. But, you know, uh, shout out to Hollins, who, you know, has never really been that star player anywhere in the NFL. But I think last year he had a he had a pretty solid season. He came in and he came in this year with, uh, I think this is one of the, bigger roles he's had in his entire career and so far i think he's flourished in it yeah no i think you're absolutely right it's i mean i i think we've gotten what we've expected out of matt collins like this is about what i thought that he would be a capable wide receiver too not really a needle mover necessarily in terms of like changing your perception of the team but someone who would fill the role well and do what they need him to do um yeah i mean i i've been very happy with what he's provided so far um yeah so Moving on to, oh, well, I got to give mine. Yeah, you guys covered a lot of them. Um, I was going to shout out uh, D. Alford, um, who I think, you know, we did see some nice things from him last year, uh, but this year gets a chance to be a true starter in the slot. Kind of, you know, I, I think we were all pretty confident in what he could provide, but I think D. Alford, you know, came in and has really sort of eliminated any concern about the slot position. Um, to such an extent that like Clark Phillips was like inactive basically at this point. Um, I don't think that really says anything about Clark Phillips more that they just, they have a lot of depth right now. Um, and then she's been such a good run defender, which is just when you look at his size profile, he, he doesn't scream a guy that would be a, an impact run defender, but he just makes plays against the run. He's in the right position. He's very smart. Um, so I, uh, I like it. I, I love what we've seen from D. Alford, and I think you guys mentioned some other good guys too, like Johnny Smith. I was really high on Johnny Smith, so I thought that was uh, a little bit of a because I was I'm not surprised by how big of 
of an of an impact player he's been. But really, the Johnny Smith's blocking, I think, has been the bigger surprise. Like the fact that he's been a really good blocker so far um, definitely has surprised me, considering that uh, not, he's never really been known for that. Yeah. You're talking yeah, about like, this language right now, a tight end who can block. Yes. He just loves his short kings at tight end, Arthur Smith. He just he can't help himself. Um, those 6'3 tight ends, he's just obsessed with those guys. So, um, But yeah, uh, good question for sure. Um, we got Nico asking, in the spirit of overreaction Monday, if Ryan Nielsen is this unconvinced by Arnold Evacati, why didn't we trade him? It seems like we're wasting both his time and our own. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I think people talked about it in the comments, you know, the Falcons weren't going to get anything for Ebikati. He was a rookie or he's a guy coming off his rookie season, hasn't really proven anything at this point. So they'd basically just be taking, you know, low end picks for him that just wouldn't really be worth their time. So him being a depth player for them is more valuable than whatever day three pick they were going to get for, for on Ebikati, but you know, I, I'm confused by it as well. I think we all thought that he would be the starter opposite Calais Campbell, and instead it was Bud Dupree, um, who hasn't exactly played well, although I do think he played well against the Lions. That was definitely his best game. Um, Abikadi, on the other hand, when he has played, has been productive, and I think he's one of the highest-graded edge rushers on the team for Atlanta, actually. Um, so it's a little weird, I mean, to me, that, that he isn't playing more. Because they desperately need speed out there on the on the outside, so I I would be surprised if he's not playing more soon. But yeah, I mean I think it's a it's a great question. I mean, do you guys have any takes on that? Why why he seems to be? I don't know if he's in the doghouse, but he's definitely not in the coach's favor right now. I don't know. Like we <laughs> we noticed it. Like it has to be something going on. Like maybe it's a scheme thing. Maybe they don't. But even so, like, even if it is a scheme thing, like this team is, this team has three sacks through three games. Like they, they, they need talented guys out there. And, you know, we, we noticed that we talked about it in the preseason. Arnold Ebicady was out there in the third and fourth quarter, like uh, with, with the backups, with the third string guys. And, you know, that's when we saw that, we're like, OK, this is like weird. Like we expect we expected Abicated to be, you know, one of this team's more valued contributors. And, you know, he was out there with with those guys that, you know, a lot of whom aren't on the team anymore or on on their respective teams anymore. And, you know, it's it's just something that you sort of hope gets figured out because you spent a very high second rounder on him. And yeah, like you said, if you tried to trade him right now, you're not really getting much for him. I think your your best bet is to hope that he, you know, is to hope that something gets figured out and that he can be productive for you. But, you know, uh, I don't really think that this team is the 49ers or the Eagles for you to be putting a young guy yeah. on the bench, you know, and to not play him because the guys in front of him aren't really getting the job done at all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dave, did you have a take on Epikady as well? Uh, yeah, my, I guess my only my only thought here is um, if you're more conspiracy minded, Lorenzo Carter had a bigger role week one 
that has been dialed way back too. Um, you'll notice that Carter, Evocati, and D'Angelo Malone are the three lightest guys that the Falcons have in their edge group. Bud Dupree is 10 to 15 pounds heavier than Evocati. Um, you know, Calais Campbell is obviously much, much bigger. Um, it, you know, there might just be something to this team wanting to go with their most veteran guys here in the early going as they're trying to establish things and wanting to go with their biggest, beefiest guys against, um, you know, some of these early opponents. It, it just might be as simple as that. I can't really imagine, you know, over the long haul that we're going to see Epichetti and uh, Malone just completely phased out. I think both of them showed enough last year, even if they had their ups and downs, even if Malone barely got any playing time, to think that they belong out there. Um, so I have to think, especially with, you know, this defensive front being older and, and playing a lot of snaps right now, you have to get these young guys more involved as time goes on. I think that's true on the defensive line as well. I expected to see a little bit more Graham, given what he did last year. He was another guy that was out there in the fourth quarter, hasn't had the role that I thought. So I have to think that, you know, it's about getting these young guys ready to go for later in the season. Um, if, if we go the whole year and, you know, Campbell's playing on one leg in week 15 because he's playing 60 snaps a week. I'm not going to understand it. I'll tell you that. So I, I got to think there's a long-term plan here. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, and I think it's also like adjusting to the, the scheme they were drafted into, which was this three, four, where they were going to be playing a lot of outside linebacker to this, where like, there's still room for them to have outside linebackers and they do still have guys stand up out there sometimes, but it's not nearly as much as they were doing last season and they just have to get used to playing with their hand in the dirt. Um, so, you know, Carter obviously can and has Evicady hasn't as much, but both Carter and Evicady have played well, uh, when given an opportunity. So I, I think they deserve more snaps and, and Zach Harrison's coming along too. He's definitely another one of those big guys. Um, but yeah, right now I think other than, uh, Calais Campbell, you know, Arnold Evicady is the third highest ranked edge rusher behind. I think Carter is, is two and, uh, Campbell's one. So, you know, he's, he's, it's not like he's playing poorly when he is out there. Um, and then I also, I also will give a shout out to Timmy Horn too, who finally got a chance to play this week. I, I think we were all shocked that he didn't make the roster, like that they were just going to go no nose tackle. And I, I think we might need to change things up and go for Timmy Horn over like Albert Huggins, who Huggins had a great preseason, but he was getting destroyed uh week, like the first two weeks. Um, and, you know, Timmy Horn comes in and I think they play, they just need that beef, get that beef in the middle. It lets you play some faster guys outside. I think, I think that's going to be better off in the long run. So I won't, I wouldn't be surprised if Horn gets the call up here, like permanently to the roster here soon. So, and I'll, I'll give a, a shout out to Ryan Nielsen, I guess for that, um, because it seemed like Albert Huggins was his guy. And I was like, great. It doesn't matter how well Albert <laughs> Huggins plays. He's, we're going to see him every week. And, you know, two weeks in, he said, all right, maybe maybe that's too much Albert Huggins. And, you know, whether that's matchup dictated or not, it was the right move to get Horn up there. And and he essentially took his snaps um, yeah. this week. So mm -hmm. I think that's that's a sign of somebody who's paying attention, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And Ryan Nielsen's done a great job through three weeks, way better than I think any of us thought. So uh, I'm inclined to trust him until he gives us reason not to um, yeah. at this stage which is nice to say about a Falcons defensive coordinator. <laughs> I don't remember the last time we could say that. So, um, early Mike Nolan, very early yeah, Mike Nolan. Very early. The the amoeba. Mark Manuel. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Van Gorder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. I 
that gif makes me happy every time I see it. I see it like once every few months where he's just on the sideline screaming at the top of his lungs. It's magical. It's beautiful. Beautiful stuff there. Uh, we've also... No, oh, go no, ahead. Never, oh, okay. never forget Mike Nolan somehow outsmarting Peyton Manning on Monday Night Football with the Amoeba defense in 2012. Oh, my God. It was so ridiculous. That that, that's the only time I've ever seen that work, you know, it was against Peyton Manning and like yeah. the, those Denver Broncos. And it's it like, was one oh, of, yes, so stupid. legendary. It was like, this is such a ridiculous defense that like literally Peyton Manning was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like I can't. I Croy Beerman's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this man? Who Red contacts. This is scaring me. I don't know what this is. Why, why are they but, dropping their defensive tackles in the coverage? I've never, yeah. I've never encountered this. It's just so, so crazy. It just might work, but. It did for it that did. one game. It did, yeah. <laughs> we got George Costanza, what's up, saying he's finally able to make it to one of these. Uh, what's up, George? Says, My guy, George. All right. So, can I get the gallery's take on Richie Grant? Everyone knows I haven't been a fan of the selection, but getting burned by Laporta was just bad. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a coverage bust on that play. Um, I mean, I'm not satisfied. And, uh, you know, UCF legend, put some respect. But, I mean, it... I'm not satisfied with what we've seen so far. Certainly, uh, we we definitely need more from Richie Grant. That that's my opinion. No, agreed. Yeah, Richie Grant has not been him like at all. Like since he's been drafted, it's it's year three, and we talked about it beforehand. We talked about it in camp. We talked about it in the off season. If there was one guy we were really looking for to take that next step to really take this defense to a new level, it's Richie Grant. And in fairness, like the defense so far has gotten to that next level because of the free agents, but. I mean, yeah, Richie Grant, this is another guy who was a high second-round pick, just like Ebby Katie. He's someone where, you know, we we have direct knowledge that there were guys in the building who were pounding the table for Creed Humphrey, and instead they went with Richie Grant, and Creed Humphrey is now arguably the best center in the NFL, which is something that the Falcons could really use right now. Um, and Richie Grant is right now a below-average free safety who or below average strong safety who's just you know who you genuinely just need more from like i i just i need him to play better yeah he's been a really good blitzer that's kind of the only thing right now that he has going um he's been he's like produced pressure on i think every single one of his blitzes which is kind of crazy he has six so that's, far that's great that's, that's nice that's great. but yeah, that's kind of it's, it's cool. kind of low down the list of what i need from my safety my starting safety is like how good of a blitzer i mean it's nice like but you know please um so i mean it's not I like he's say, been I'll, bad I'll, but yeah. oh, go ahead yeah i'll play devil's advocate a little bit here i okay. and just yeah. say i know he hasn't been great so far this year but I think he was pretty solid last year. I thought he was an underrated player in his first season as a starter. Um, yeah. Certainly his miscues are frustrating. The specific types of mistakes he makes in coverage and as a tackler are frustrating. So I, I get that. And you always have to have a guy on this defense that you zero in on for those kinds of mistakes. The Falcons always have one. But yeah, yeah. I do think he did enough last year to suggest that he is a capable starting safety. And I think we haven't seen it this year, but he's another guy that I expect as time rolls on, he'll pick it up. So yeah, that's yeah. that's my expectation. Revisit this in four weeks and make fun of me if I'm wrong, but I I, I think Richie Grant's going to be just fine, personally. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, that's my hope, too. I obviously am pulling for him. Um, guy that, you know, was from where I grew up and obviously UCF player as well. So, you know, I have, I have many irons in the fire for Richie Grant at this stage, but, um, you know, 
he doesn't really have any more excuses because the rest of the defense is now playing really well. And now he's got a great partner next to him in Jesse Bates. So he just kind of needs to turn it on. But um, it hasn't been like alarmingly bad through three games or anything like that. It's just been sort of average. And if he was like a fourth round pick like Jalen Hawkins, I, I think people would probably be like, oh, well, he's fine. Like for what we paid. But when you take him in the second round, the expectations are a lot higher. Um, and like, this is his chance. Like he, if he doesn't improve his play from this point, he's just going to be a depth guy going forward. They're going to go out and get another safety. So um, he needs to prove himself over these next, you know, 15 games or 14 games, whatever it is. It is like, there's a lot of games left guys. Just remember, I'm not, not saying that you guys are doing anything weird, but just, you know, there's a lot of football left to be played this year before we get to like, Oh, next year. You know, please, I hope that this team keeps us interested in this season for, for more than three games. Uh, so um, we did have one more from George. Um, should the Falcons consider trading a day three pick to Tennessee for Malik Willis? Oh, this is, you're tugging at my heartstrings with Malik Willis, George. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, like I, I love Malik Willis. So yes, absolutely. I would trade a day three pick for Malik Willis, given how much improvement he showed in the preseason. But like, I don't know that it really makes a lot of sense for this Falcons team unless they're trying to replace Logan Woodside, which like, would I rather have Malik Willis and Logan Woodside? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But like, you know, I mean, it, it it's not like a, you know, we'll see who, who gets it here and there. Like I, I like Malik Willis, but it, it, they're not going to like pull doesn't murder for Malik Willis. Um, so like, this would be more of a long-term thing, but I mean, I, I think, eventually we could see something like this where the Falcons target a developmental higher upside quarterback, especially if Ritter's like in that sort of like good enough, but not like great standpoint where you're like, we're probably going to be looking to replace him soon. Like he's not going to elevate this offense, but he's fine in the short term. Um, so in that case, we're probably looking at them adding some kind of high upside developmental guy, whether that's in like the late first round or like, by trading for somebody or signing one of these, you know, Malik Willis type guys. But I don't know. What, what do you guys think about either Malik Willis or bringing in some other sort of higher upside, like third string quarterback? Dave, I took the, I took the last one first. You can okay. go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I kind of got a question about this and I can't remember who it, it wasn't Malik Willis, but it was a similar type of question. Like what it feels, it was Justin Fields. Like, if the Bears give up on Justin Fields next year, it wouldn't obviously be this year, I think. Um, you know, would the Falcons be interested in getting him? And I, I think sort of the direction that the Falcons are going to go in is not that direction. It's not going to be a Willis. It's not going to be a Fields. It's not going to be a Trey Lance. They're not going to go for a guy who hasn't proven anything at the NFL level, is maybe still young, but is already, you know, the clock is ticking on that second contract. They still have work to do. They're either going to go get, yeah, the high upside guy in the draft, or they're going to get a veteran quarterback who they know will be good right now. And that's all dependent on, you know, if Ritter continues to not show enough to be the long-term guy in Atlanta, right? For this year, they're not going to do, I think, any of that. I, I can't see them going out and getting anybody. I think they're happy with with Heineke behind um Ritter and if they need to play him they will and I think Arthur Smith loves Logan Woodside and without Felipe Franks here he needs one of his guys in that building and he's got him so um you know I I just think any any idea of them trading for somebody like Willis who I like Fields who I remain intrigued by even if the Bears have probably ruined him for life um 
you know, it's not that I would be necessarily opposed to that if the Falcons are thinking long term, like this isn't it with Ritter. It's just something that I can't see happening this year and beyond this year. If you're moving on from Ritter, I, I see it being draft pick or proven established guy that you're giving a contract to to be your guy for the next two to three years. I don't think there's that in between trading for a high upside, signing a high upside younger guy that you still have to develop because will also be, if, if Ritter isn't the guy, too, after this year, you'll be entering the fourth straight season with a different starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. And I don't think Arthur Smith can survive that going wrong. No. So, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, yeah, Adnan, any thoughts on that? Um, well, I mean, I would love to talk about potentially trading four <laughs> quarterbacks, you know, or acquiring a quarterback in the next offseason. But that's a next offseason type discussion. But... Um, no, I think Willis would, would have made a lot more sense if, if, for example, we still had, you know, an aging Matt Ryan on the team, and then you bring in one of these young guys who didn't work out. Um, no, I think it's, it's genuinely has right now it's Ritter. I don't think it would make sense to bring in another guy from the exact same draft class who would come in to be the third string, uh, guy. Uh, I think if, if it ends up not being Ritter, like as the guy, then you either have to find someone very high up in the draft, possibly a trade up, because like I said, I think this team will be picking in the twenties or you need to go get an actual established, like good quarterback, someone who has proven to be very good in the NFL uh, through free agency or through a trade. And I, I, for what it's worth, I do think that there will be some possible options this coming off season, but yeah, I, I don't think that it really helps the team to get to get one of these younger guys who's just buried on his own depth chart who will probably, you know, be buried in Atlanta's depth chart this year. Yeah, I don't think it happens this year, but I wouldn't be upset in the offseason if it's if it's clear that Ritter's not the guy and the Titans are moving on from from Willis and they're going to go to Will Levis. Uh, then, you know, if they're willing to trade him for a day three prick, I, I don't I don't. I don't have a problem with that, um, but I think the Falcons are going to be much more aggressive uh, with going after like a veteran or going after someone in the draft if Ritter is clearly not it. So I think Malik Willis is not enough of a step uh, for them. I think that's like probably not going to be aggressive enough for what they're trying to do. Um, I did want to get to one more from D in the Discord um, saying that he's worried about what he thinks is a lack of separation from Pitts this year. He's wondering if we if any of us think that he might be like not running his routes correctly or if he's still bothered by injury. Um, do you think it's, you know, him possibly not putting enough effort into his routes or that he might just be getting frustrated with the game plan or is this an overreaction? Um, yeah. I mean, to be kind, uh, I, I don't see what people, what people have been complaining about with people complaining that Pitts is not running good routes or not running routes correctly or being lazy with his routes. I don't think that's happening at all. I think this is a case of people getting way too hyped up and just sort of seeing what they want to see, which is, oh, the players hate Ritter or something like that. No, Kyle Pitts is getting plenty of separation. Go back and this is not like a watch the tape thing. Like D, I appreciate the question and I think it's a reasonable question. It's uh, Pitts is fine. He's getting plenty of separation. Um, go back and watch the Panthers game. You will see him completely dusting people and having them fall over from how good his routes are. And, and I know you specifically mentioned that the, the play against the Lions that was considered an overthrow, it was an overthrow. 
Um, it was absolutely an overthrow by Desmond Ritter because I mean, it, I get I think people don't realize like that Pitts makes it look easy when he's running at full speed. Like he doesn't look like he's struggling to to like run full speed. Like he had three yard, he had like two yards of separation on his man, and Ritter overthrew him. Like and Pitts is not getting that kind of separation on a corner if he's not running full speed. Like. He's fast, but he's not like that fast where he can half-ass it and get that much separation on somebody. So, um, I don't think Pitts—it's a lack of effort from Pitts or any sort of shadiness going on. I think it's a combination of things as to why this passing game isn't running at full speed. And we talked about it earlier, right? The offensive line is playing really, really poorly, which is a big concern. As a result, Desmond Ritter not playing well at all, and you know, it's it's the play calling I think is also a little bit to blame for what's going on. So there's a, a confluence of factors that are leading to not Pitts not really playing up to what we expect. Um, but I don't think it has anything to do with a lack of effort or, you know, Pitts being disappointed in, in Ritter or the scheme or something. I mean, if he was frustrated, he'd be well within his rights, but I don't think he would show that frustration on the field. Uh, that would be a big red flag to anyone potentially looking at giving him a contract in the future. So. Yeah, I mean, he's too much of a professional to do that. Like, let's Pitts has never been someone who has really generated any off the field buzz. Um, you know, he's he's a guy that just goes about his work. But yeah, no, it's this is one of those things where, unfortunately, I do not think that we will really see Pitts unlocked, so to speak, until we, you know figure out the passing game and that means everything that means the whole line has to be better that means the quarterback has to be better um and i mean it's unfortunate because i feel like he's getting a lot a lot of a lot of flack for stuff that's completely out of his control we noticed it last year uh he was you know being proclaimed as a bust there were people you know especially in the fantasy football community uh who were talking a lot of shit about him because, you know, they only look at the yardage, they only look at the box score, and, you know, you're not seeing Mariota overthrowing him on, you know, a two-and-a-half-minute highlight reel that someone made of just complete Kyle Pitts overthrows. You're not seeing, you know, this year him getting that separation and Desmond Ritter not looking his way or, you know, doing something else with the ball. And it's just... You know, or Desmond Ritter overthrowing him against the Lions, like you said. It's it's one of those things where I it's frustrating for him, and I and I completely get the frustration. But unfortunately, I don't think that there is really a short term solution to it right now. Yeah, just it's just one of those things that we all have to get. But notably, Desmond Ritter has already connected on more deep passes than Mariota did in his entire uh, season last year. So you know, at least we have that. The bar is the floor. <laughs> Mario Mariota connected on one. Yes, so we've already hit more than that. So th- there's nowhere to go but up now, Adnan. So <laughs> Dave, how, how far you... we fall? And Matt Ryan's rolling over in his grave right now. Again, Matt Ryan very much alive. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing a great job for CBS. He's doing a great Matt job. Ryan. Maybe we can very much alive. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia. Bring him in this year, I think this team would win ten games with Matt Ryan right now. I'd, given how he looks behind that Colts offensive line, allowing all that pressure, I, d- I don't know that I want to subject him to this either. But uh, yeah, Dave, Dave, any takes on that or anything else before we sign off? No, the the only thing I'd say is, you know, I think that Ritter did overthrow him on that first route. But I think that the one thing that people are ignoring a little bit is that 
Pitts is still recovering from an injury too, right? So I I thought on the replay, it, it certainly looked like he was pulling up a little bit, which I think they noted on the broadcast. Um, so, you know, that is also a complicating factor for him. He is out there a lot. If he is not exactly 100%, and I suspect he's somewhere in the 90s, then the fact that he's not going to be, you know, dead sprinting down the field necessarily on every single play, especially not one where he maybe doesn't have the best chance at the ball. Um, you know, that's, that's not to be, you know, frowned upon. I, I do think to, to Adnan's point, like he just became a target at some point last year for people who wanted to explain away what Mariota was doing or, you know, the fantasy diehards who were really pissed that they drafted him early and he hasn't played well. Um, you know, so I'm not concerned about effort is the, is the long winded thing I'm yeah. trying to say here. I think it'll come together for him. It's, it's on the offense to take the guy that they drafted at number four overall and, and make this work with him. So. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it could very well be that he is recover continuing to recover from that injury. He, he didn't get a full camp, a full off season, certainly. So, um, you know, we're, we're working on it. Um, but yeah, it's certainly not an effort thing. And I don't think there's any like animosity brewing there at this stage. Now, if this offense still doesn't do anything over the remainder of the season and Pitts has another poor year, I could definitely see some animosity brewing because now it's starting to affect his potential to get a big contract. So, um, you know, we'll see, but at this point I, I wouldn't be too concerned. Um, yeah, guys, lots of great questions. Uh, I think we got to pretty much everything. I, maybe we missed one, but, uh, we appreciate everyone, all the questions, all the patrons for supporting us and, and getting the takes in. This is a fun show. Appreciate everyone. Uh, thanks again to all you guys for taking part. Thanks to everyone for playing in the fantasy leagues as well. Uh, before we take off, I want to thank once again, uh, our, our co-hosts tonight. First of all, Dave Choate at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, anything you'd like to let the people know about? Uh, just the great work uh, the team is doing at the Falcoholic, as I always like to plug. Um, lot to talk about this week with the Lions loss. Certainly some thoughts about how the offense is going to come out of this and looking ahead to the Jaguars in London. And um, if we can pull it together, we'll have a little guide for anybody who's making the trip across and looking for places to go eat, stay, um, work on their British accent and so forth. So absolutely. Check that out, guys, for sure. Also with us, of course, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way, Adnan, anything you'd like to let the people know about? Uh, yeah. Um writing my weekly articles for the Falcoholic fantasy stud and dud just went up tonight. Um, what if we win or lose series history, you know, just all, all, all the, all the great work at the Falcoholic, like Dave said, it's a, it's a, it's a great one-stop shop. I think, uh, I think the team is really firing on all cylinders here as, you know, as we normally are at this stage, it's, it's always very, and it's, it's a lot more fun to cover, a team that that wins and you know it's a lot more you know the, the past two weeks have been so great you know it's it's been the first first time since i've been here at the falcohol that this team has been above 500 <laughs> yeah. you know it's been five five very long years um and you know it's it, it, it's a lot of fun and i hope that it continues to be a lot of fun and that this team continues to stay above 500 um, and yeah, Dave was talking to me off air and he did want me to let you guys know that if you guys have any complaints at all about the team, just to add him <laughs> at the alcoholic on yes. Twitter. So yeah, just all of your complaints, you know, all of your takes <laughs> on Desmond Ritter on Kyle Pitts, just at the alcoholic Twitter. Yep. 
we just need to we need that engagement guys you know help help us get those internet clicks okay our, our families are starving so <laughs> guys thank you so much i'm kevin idea falcoholic kevin like subscribe leave that five-star review on your platform of choice uh we really appreciate you guys and uh i didn't you know, you know yeah also this show is presented by bet online also uh thanks to those guys for for supporting the show uh we will see everyone Next time, we'll be back Wednesday night, of course, for Falcoholic Live at 8 p.m. And make sure to check out our uh, third episode of Trench Talk with Jordan Watkins. Uh, that's that's going to be up by the time you guys see this as well. So until next time, guys, thank you so much. Have a great night. See you next time on the Falcoholic Live.